Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. So uh, we are beginning a brand new series, a Christmas series that we're calling The Legacy of Jesus and looking at the legacy that Jesus left on this world. Because typically during this, like it's crazy during this season how Jesus goes to the forefront. Don't matter who you are. Like I was watching a Disney special don't judge me. I was watching a Disney special last Sunday night, I believe it, it was, and, and we had the family gathered around, and they had different music artists, and they were doing Christmas songs, and so there's thousands of people there, probably a couple million people watching online, and what song are they singing? Christ the Savior is born. See, this is why I'm not on the worship team. It's because if I was on the worship team, no one would be here. Everyone would, would be hiding their children. They'd be hiding. They'd be covering their ears. This is why there, there's what's called callings and giftings. And that's not my calling. We're to, but at the same time, like they're all saying Christ the Savior is born. They're singing angels we have heard on high. It's during this season, Jesus goes to the forefront. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you think Christianity is a load of garbage, if you, are a, if, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're intrigued by Jesus, if you kind of like Jesus, if, if you're kind of curious. About, like Jesus goes to the forefront in this season. And it's not a bad thing, but it typically centers on his birth. But with this Christmas series, I really felt led, and we're going to talk about the birth, yes, but at the same, same time, I believe since Jesus is at the forefront, I really felt, felt led, instead of just focusing on his birth, but to focus on his legacy that his birth started. Because honestly, like if, if, if you really think about the legacy that Jesus left from the way it began, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's either the biggest hoax in the history of the world or there's something to it. Because just to remind you about how Jesus was born, like he was born in a town that was so small, like probably under 100 people. You know, it, we, we glamorize the birth of Christ in the United States culture. We like to pretty it up and born in a wooden manger and... He just, you know, it was a nice stable. Hay was where it needed to be. The animals weren't pooping. It was just all nice and beautiful. And we glamorize it. But honestly, when you really look at where the birth of Jesus began, it was a stone culture. So it was probably a stone manger. Some scholars even say in a cave, maybe. It says an inn, but no one, no one knows if it was a nice wooden house, if it was a nice wooden barn. Like, but, but then too, it was in a town that no one cared about. It, he was born in obscurity. It's not like he, was, he had throngs of people preparing the way for him. Like Jesus is here. He was born to unwed parents. If y'all forgot that. So, so, so like we can glimmer, oh, Mary and Joseph, you know. 
Joseph's probably like got a pit in his stomach. I'm not even married to this woman. She's got a kid that's birth, it's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Haven't heard that one before. No. You know, it's like, you know, when you just look at the, the, the way it started, it doesn't make sense that the way things are right now, Jesus is the most influential person, human being, that has ever existed in the world. More books have been written about him than anyone else. More artwork commissioned, done for him than anyone else. More songs sung about him than anyone else. A couple other facts. More people have chosen to follow him. Billions and billions of people have devoted their lives to to him. Because of Jesus and his followers, children are thought of differently. Women are given dignity and value. Slavery would be fought uh, against and eradicated. Education would be a priority. Social outcasts like tax collectors, the sexually immoral, the sick and the dying, those with deformed or special needs would be considered made in God's image because of the words that Jesus spoke and his followers said, we're just not going to listen. We're going to put those into practice. Jesus hasn't just changed the religious landscape of the world, he has changed the world in every way. And when you look at where he started, have you seen those pictures on, on social where it's got like where it started and where it's at now? Have you seen, seen those? Okay, no one has. Awesome. Well, you might see them where it's kind of got how it started and how it's going. Can you just imagine Jesus doing, doing this? How it started, a stone stable in a stone cave. Now, now ruling the world. And here's the thing. As people, whether you are a Christian or not, here's the thing. If you are a Christian, you need to be reminded of Jesus' power and Jesus' influence on our world outside of just religion. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you would be very wise to do your due diligence to say, if this guy was, was born this way and has left this legacy, I need to do due diligence in exploring how this came to be. Is this a crock of you know what? That just like, he's just like Jesus Gump. Just had a good personality, a good mommy. Roman roads were all good at the time. And it was this dumb luck that Jesus had this influence. Or is there something more to it? that it's God-ordained, and there is a purpose to it. Even secular historians, people that don't believe that Jesus is who he says, says, says he was, say things like this. Stephen Neal says this. He who says Jesus also says history. H.G. Wells says, I am, I, am, I am an historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Kenneth Scott Latourette says this, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life that ever lived on this planet. Yale scholar, his, historian, y'all good luck saying that name, Jaroslav Pelikan, 
It's the way I'm going to say it. It's probably wrong. Regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the most dominant figure in the history of the Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of supermagnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal, learning at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? And I say this because here, here, here's the thing. I came to this point in my walk with Jesus where, and don't hear, just, just kind of like hear me out, where I had a personal experience with Jesus. I, like I, I, I felt convicted that I had sinned against a holy God and that I needed to make this relationship right. And the way to do that wasn't by doing good things. It was by putting the faith and trust in Jesus' good thing. And that's what he did on the cross in my place and for my sin. He rose from death and, and defeated Satan, sin, and death because, because he never sinned. So death could not hold his physical body down. And now he's ruling and reigning. So I had a personal experience with him where, where I personally experienced his grace, love, and forgiveness, mercy. And I have a joy and a hope. Doesn't mean an easy life, but I've got a joy and the hope in the midst of the insanity. So I had a personal experience. Hopefully you've had the same thing, right? Where you've, it's personal. But then I came to this point in my journey of faith where I just didn't need, need an experience. I also needed rationality, if that makes sense. Where, okay, Jesus has spoken to me and I've had an experience with him, but where does Jesus fit into the insanity of this world? And, and, and that's where it wasn't just experiential, it had to be cer cerebral. I had to say, how does Jesus fit not just in my heart, but in my mind? And some of you are there because some of you are more cerebral. Some of you are thinkers. Some of you are skeptics. Some, some of, of you say, well, Jesus, you know, did you say, you know, and, and what I would encourage you to do is don't let your doubts or your skepticism keep you from doing your due diligence and putting Jesus to the test from, from, from a historical perspective. Because he's not scared of that. He's not scared of your doubts. He's not scared of your skepticism. Even one of his followers, Thomas, right, doubting Thomas, said he, he followed Jesus for three years. His disciples came and said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. I don't believe it. Got to see it. Don't believe it. Did Jesus come to him and smack him in the face? You moron. No, he, Jesus was kind and gracious and loving with him while he had doubts. And Jesus was kind to him even in those doubts. And if you are here today and you're, Skeptic, you're kind of more a cerebral person, and you know, I, I would say don't be afraid to put Jesus and Christianity to the test. Don't be afraid to go and, and, and search because what you'll find is there are people who put it to the test and put it and did their due diligence, and they went into it, skepticist, atheist, and they came out some of the strongest believers you'll ever know. Why? Because the evidence doesn't lie. There's an incredible book, it is called Cold Case Christianity, where there was this Long Beach detective who, who, who would solve cold cases, and his wife started going to church, and you know how that goes. <laughs> wife starts going to church, the guy most of the time's like, oh God, I'm going to take her money, take her time, I'm going to brainwash her, 
here we go. Well, she started coming home and, and started telling him, you know, about what she's learning and what Jesus is doing in her life. And just because of his personality, he was like, all right, all right, I, I'm going to put Jesus through the same test that I would try to solve a cold case. And I want to see, would Jesus be convicted of being the son of God? So he has, he has the mind of saying, I need what? Evidence to have a case so I can prove this person's guilty. He went through all of the ins and outs, and it came up to where he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity to, to, to where whenever he put the, the, the historical, practical, archaeological evidences together, he said, how can I not believe this? So what I would tell you is do not be afraid of, 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 of here's the thing, if you've had an experience with Jesus, awesome, but you might come to this point in your walk with Jesus that you might need rationality. Don't think you're, you don't have faith. Don't think you've fallen. It's just Jesus doesn't just want your heart. Jesus wants your mind as well. Because it has strengthened my faith in ways that I never believed. But also, too, one, one more book that I, that I would recommend. It's the book called Who Is This Man? Please get this book and read it. I'll post it on social. If you even, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, if you want it, I'll buy it for you. But then I'm like, I don't know about y'all, because there might be 40 of y'all. There might be 40 of y'all to want this book, and then I'm out $500. So here's the, here's the thing. If you don't have money to buy this book, I'll buy it for you. If you've got resources, buy it yourself. Invest in yourself. I promise because this book explains how, how the tentacles of Jesus' life and legacy make its way. I mean, even think our time is centered, like the, the years that we go by are centered around before Jesus' life and after Jesus' life. We can't get away from him. He's there. He has left a legacy. So here's the point. Don't be afraid to have an experience with Jesus, but don't be afraid to also say, I need some rational explanation as well. Because God says this, love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So we have to look at Jesus' influence and the, and the legacy that Jesus left. And then I think as his followers, it would be wise of us to say if that was the legacy that Jesus left on this world, how, how do we leave a legacy like him? Not that we are Jesus, not that we're gonna have billions of people following us, but how do we take his life and put it down and say if he left a legacy, how do we leave a legacy as well? And really, a legacy can really be simply defined as what you leave behind. Like have you actually sat and thought of what are you leaving behind? With the life you are living, with the trajectory it's on, what are you leaving behind? And this is one of the ways, like I said in the video, that we challenge you to live life uncommon is by, by, is by leaving a legacy. And by that, we mean like you live in light of your last day. Because here's the thing, living in light of your last day impacts the way you practically live right now. Because leaving a legacy says, 
this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do, and I'm going to reverse engineer so I can see this kind of life lived by the time I take my last breath. And as a Christian, we shouldn't be scared of death. We don't, are ter- we're not terrified of death because to live is Christ. We live for him. To die is gain. Even Paul said, I don't know what's better. If, if I keep living, I got stuff to do for Jesus. If I die, I'm with Jesus. I don't know. I don't know what's better. And, and so, so here's the thing. As, as Christians, we don't fear death, but we live in light of it. Because, and we live in, in light of it because Scripture says multiple times we will stand before the judgment seat one day before Jesus. And that should not scare us. That should compel us. That's, that, that should not be, oh, my God, I'm going to stand before the principal and get punished. No, it's a God has given you stuff. What are you going to do with your stuff? So whenever you stand before him, you can say, look what I did for you, Jesus. I took what you gave me. I took my, my story filled with this and this and this. My story wasn't their story. Their story wasn't my story. I took what you gave me, and I stewarded it so I could make your name known. And here's the thing, if everyone in the church decides that we are going to live in light of our last day, I believe what God does in and through your life and in and through our church, who knows? But he does. So whenever we say leaving a a legacy, we're just not trying to do motivational talk. It's not like just live. No, this is because this is what Jesus did. The uncommon life is just a life like Jesus lived. Because when you look at Jesus' life, he made decisions in light of the legacy he wanted to leave. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to succinctly summarize Jesus' life in, in, like, honestly, like, succinctly summarize it. And then from each of the ways I, sum, I summarize it, we're going to say, how, how does that relate to us in leaving the kind of legacy that Jesus Left. So let me succinctly summarize to you Jesus' life. All right, first off, Jesus was born to unwed parents in a no-name place with no uh, acclaim and grew up in a town called Nazareth where people literally said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Secondly, Jesus lived most of his life in obscurity working a regular job. And he stepped into his calling at 30 years old and did three years of public ministry. He was killed on a Roman cross by a combination of religious and political leaders who were scared and jealous of him. And lastly, he didn't have worldwide influence until he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So basically what I'm saying there is his greatest greatest influence came after he died. We're going to take these points here because I don't think we look at Jesus' life this way. I think he was the son of God. Perfect, beautiful. You know, we can think of him in the United States, Jesus. He's got a white bathrobe with a blue pageant sash on, and he's got perfectly done hair. And, you know, Jesus was, you know, it, it was like his life was easy and perfect. He was the son of God. And I don't think many times we look at actually summarize Jesus' life this way. But I think it's important if we're looking at the kind of legacy Jesus lived and thinking about the kind of legacy we want to leave, we have to say at down to its, this was Jesus' life. So we're going to take each of these points here and, re- and relate them to say how can we as Lifehouse, as people, as followers of Jesus leave 
a legacy. First off, Jesus was born to unwed parents in a no-name place with no acclaim and grew up in a town called Nazareth where people literally say anything good come from Nazareth. So here's the point. Don't let where you start determine where you finish. Because y'all look, like here's, here is the thing that we can be tempted to do in this culture, right? Because here's the thing, right? The, the old culture and old culture, when I say old culture, I'm part of that old culture. So I'm not saying if you're 70, 80, I'm, I like, I'm almost 40, okay? That's scary. Uh, that's weird to say. Uh, sorry, just had a moment, um, an existential moment uh, of, of like, the, you know, in, in kind of like, tight casting the older generation of like who cares what happened to you just do it right like you know this generation millennials they're they're just so everything affects them right it's kind of how it's kind of of like deemed right and you can have the older generation looking at the newer generation and saying they're so soft they, they don't fight through issues well enough. Anything takes them out. And then you've got the younger generation looking back at the older generation and saying, they're, they're just a bunch of emotionless, like hard, like jaded, you know. And, and, and here's the thing. You can have the older generation judging the the younger generation and the younger generation judging the older generation. And uh, what I would say is, is that there is actually truth in both. Because when, when I look at my dad's generation, it was just you push through anything, even what you feel, to function. So what does that do? You don't develop emotionally. So what, so what we've done now is it's gone over to the total other side, which is your emotions rule you. Okay, <laughs> so now you've got one culture that said, screw the, screw the emotions, just get over it, do your job, function. This other generation that is ruled by what they feel and can't even function in spite of what they feel. So then you've got them pointing fingers at each other, saying, well, you just need to get over yourself. Well, you just need to be kinder. Right, so you've you've got this back and forth. When what I would say is not either or; it's both and. Like you you have got to say, okay, I need to be in touch with what I feel, but at the same time say, I need to process my emotions in a God honoring way so I can function. Where you're fun, where so so here's thing, right, John? Why do you even bring that up? Because. If we're not careful, you can let your past not just influence you, but define you. When your past can and will influence you. So here's the thing, where you're born, who you're born to, circumstances you're born into, they will undoubtedly influence you. But you have to reject the narrative that you don't have control to also, by God's grace, not let your past influence you, but not let it define you. And, and here's the point here. Your past can influence you, but it doesn't have to define you. And the way you do that is, is I don't know if, like, I was kind of in that, like, older generation where I deflected what I felt, devalued what I felt, and I, I kind of hit this point when COVID happened 
where it was like there were things that were happening and going on that I could not explain, and I kept ask, asking why, and there was so much going on beneath the surface, but I've been taught, even in church, put away the way you feel, just pray about it, just invite the Holy Spirit in, just, just pray about it, pray, 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 until your hair turns gray, read the Bible, pray, read the Bible, pray, read the Bible. Things weren't, getting, get, things weren't getting better, and it was like, yes, pray and reading the Bible is important, it's good, but at the same time, prayer and reading your Bible and maybe some counseling might even be good as well. Why? Because there's mindsets and patterns that have been established that need to be undone with the word of God, with prayer, with worship, but also, too, with, with skilled and trained people or people that can walk beside you, soul friends, empathy friends, that can help you undo some patterns that have been done. But teaching, that takes hard work that a lot of people don't, don't want to do because they see it as not moving forward. They see it as staying stagnant. So honestly, many times doers and get it done people will bypass what they feel just to, just to accomplish more, but in their accomplishing, they're actually not accomplishing much because they're not getting down to the root issues in their own life. So your past can and will influence you, but what I need you to know is that it cannot define you. We see this in Jesus's life. I mean, literally, people were joking on Jesus saying this dude came from Nazareth. They, they had a statement, a slogan. You know how they got like bad news for Newport News? They had like these colloquialisms where they would say things about the city and, and it, it was like one of the things they said is, can anything good come from Nazareth? And this is what they were saying uh, about Jesus. But Jesus did not let that keep him from ultimately what his father had called him to do. And that's to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and live a life governed by personal discipline to walk out what, what he has called to do. So I just want to encourage you. Some of y'all need to deal with your past because you haven't yet. And even in church, you've been like, well, you know, Jesus will heal it. He can. I've seen it. But sometimes you work together with the Holy Spirit. Scripture says in Galatians 5, keep in step with the Spirit. So, yeah, like you, but, but some of you, you have deflected your past, defied your past, and it's, and it's showing itself in the way you deal with things now. And you keep even saying, well, why, 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 why can't I get over this? Maybe there are some things you need to go back into your past and, and get dealt with. But even guys, like guys are, no, I don't need that. I was one of them. And it's not weakness, it's strength. Because your family needs you strong. Your kids need you emotionally healthy. You're, they need you psychologically healthy. Like, they don't need you putting on them what your dad did to you. Because here's, here's the thing. What is not healed is handed. What is not healed gets handed. So, don't be afraid to go into your past. But here's the thing. You don't have to let it define you. God has given you power and free will and choice through your choice and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not to let your past define define you secondly right you think jesus 30 years he prepared 30 years for three years of public ministry so don't be afraid to submit to the process can you put that slide up like be willing to submit to the process I mean, I find it crazy Jesus prepared for 30 for three. And you're like, why did that happen? Why did he prepare for 30? 
Probably because at 21, he wasn't ready. But he's the son of God. I agree. I agree with that statement. But Jesus was filled with the same Holy Spirit you and I have the same access to. See, this is what Jesus was, was an example for us. He wasn't just a savior, he was an example. So when you see Jesus, what I say is this, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and governed by personal discipline. Meaning Jesus put in place habits to become a certain kind of person so he could live a certain kind of calling. That was really good. <laughs> I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that one because that's a good reminder to me. We can just think Jesus came out the womb ready to live his calling. But what, but what we forget is Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. And Philippians 2 tells us he laid aside his divinity and took on humanity. Why? Because then he can relate with us. So when, when you see Jesus as being an example, then you see Jesus submitted to a 30-year process, most of it in complete obscurity, to get him ready for his three years of public ministry. He wasn't ready at 21. I mean, I, and, and this might sound sacrilegious, and I, I hope it doesn't, but at the same time, maybe if Jesus went on the cross at 21 years old, and he just said, God, I just want to get this over with. I just, I just want to do it. Maybe 21 years old, instead of saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he might have said something else. But it's crazy how many times we don't want to submit to a process. You know what I'm saying. We get impatient. We can think, God, you don't know better than I do. I appreciate the fact you made the world. I appreciate the fact you're omnipresent. I appreciate the fact you're omniscient. But I got this. And, and typically, we try to circumvent a process or make it happen quicker. We take it into our hands. A great example of this, Abraham. If you know the story, this isn't real Christmassy, but it's Bible, <laughs> right? It said you're going to have this, this, this child, and this child is, through this child, this, the promise is going to happen. It wasn't happening. He was 100 years old. Like, hey, guy, you know, body's drying up a little bit. We're going to have this child. So then they took it into his own hands and said, okay, oh, she, she wants to have a kid, okay. Wasn't God's plan. So here's, be, be willing. Because some of you are in a process right now and you don't even know it. And you think God has forgotten you. He's, he's left you. You think he's kind of got this carrot at the end. And, you know, or he's playing cosmic matador and he's like, come on, come on, you know. And went to, ah, gotcha, you know, and. And you think this is the way that God is treating, treating you when in reality, it's, it's just he sees things you don't. And you are in a process that he has specifically for you. But what do we like? We like to compare processes. How true is this? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, like I, I just say church planting, man. Like it, it can be wild because like whenever we planted four years back, I had people planting at the same time. They had people writing up $50,000 checks. I'm like, where's that, God? We ain't got no $50,000 check writers. <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, you can just get it. Well, 
you know, that process, you know, and then you can start to, and the greatest way to devalue your process is to compare it to someone else's. Because that will make you ungrateful, that will make you think God has forgotten you, or it will puff you up with pride. Well, you know, my process, you know. Right? When your process is your process, John chapter 21, right? This is after Jesus died, he, res- he resurrected, and Peter denied him. Do you remember that? Peter denied him. Like Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was like, I got you, Jesus. He denied him three times. He, he was shame-filled, condemnation-filled. He was going out to fish. He, he was leaving his calling. Jesus went out and said, hey, come on, I'm calling you back, Peter. You have a plan, a purpose. Don't let what you've done in the past define you. I have called you. You get up here, you're going to go and be an apostle. And then what he tells Peter is, you're going to go and die for me. And Peter's like, well, well, what about John? <laughs> Literally, like, he's like, well, 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 what about him? And what Jesus tells him is, what's that to you? Your process ain't his process. And some of y'all have, have, been, have been devaluing your process, comparing it to somebody else's. Jesus prepared for 30 for three. Do not, by God's grace, do not skip the process. And this process makes its way out in so many different ways. Some of you wish you were further along in your faith journey. Some of y'all wish you were more holy. Some of y'all wish you were more kind and patient. Be careful. When you ask for something, just know when you're asking for something, you're also asking for a process. Some of y'all, God, make me more patient. God, make me more loving. God, help me love my wife. Help me love my spouse. God, help me to be financially stable. You know what God's probably going to say? Get on a budget. <laughs> right? It's like we, we want to spiritualize what is a process. God, just do it. Just do it. And sometimes God will. And we, we believe that here. But also, too, don't devalue sometimes where God doesn't just want to do something instantaneously. He wants to change not just your circumstance, but who you are. And who you are is typically changed by a what? Process. Is this good? Is it helping you? So here's, here's the thing. Prepared for 30. Did his calling in three years. Some, some of you, this is a word because you, you're either old or, or you, you know, it's like you... You know, who, who, who knew? don't underestimate what God can do through you in a short amount of time. He changed the world in three years. He changed the world in three years. And if you're going to leave a legacy, if you're going to leave a legacy, then, then don't, don't devalue short periods. Well, you know, because it's like, I think sometimes we, 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 can, we can say, well, you know, I'm not going to be in this city for a very long time. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just passing through Newport News. I get that, but don't devalue a year. Don't waste a year. Don't waste two years. Like, if you're in this church, in this city, invest it. Dive in. Dive into relationships. Dive into a church home. Dive into serving, like, like dive in because 
you never know what can happen in a short period of time. But some of you specifically, you're kind of older, and you're like, what can God do through me? I'm in my 50s or 60s or 70s. I'm old. I would just say God doesn't look at how old you are. He looks at at the fact of if you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose. If you have breath in your lungs, you can live a legacy like Jesus. If you have breath in, in your lungs, it's not over yet. So don't deny what God can do through you in a short amount of time. Okay, thirdly, Jesus was murdered. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? It's like, <laughs> Jesus was murdered by religious leaders who were jealous of him and political figures who were scared of him. What I think this shows us, if you're going to leave a legacy, is the fact that you've got to determine whose approval you're going to live for. Because Jesus had people pulling at him, trying to get him to be on board with their agenda. The religious leaders were, didn't like him because he influenced people. He had crowds, and that's what the religious people wanted more than anything, is crowds. Because if they had crowds, then they could put burdens on them to get what they wanted. The political leaders, here's the thing. This was the Roman culture. So Pax Romana, right, is like the peace of Rome. They didn't want revolutionaries coming in and stirring places up. And what they did to help people think about before they become a revolutionary was crucify them publicly. To be like, yeah, do you think you're going to get some people and try to overrun things? Yeah, do you see that guy being crucified? Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll be you. They wanted peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. How's it going? Jesus said, I did not come to please religious people, to get on board with their system. I didn't come to appease political people just to not cause a stir. He said, I live for an audience of one, my father. John chapter 12 the, uh, the uh, apostle John recorded this. Jesus talking here. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. If you're going to leave a legacy, you have to live for an audience of one. Let me say that one more time. If you're going to leave a legacy, you have to live for an audience of one. Because you are going to have people and their interest and what they want pulling at you saying, get on board with this, get on board with that, get on, get on, get on board. But Jesus said, I'm listening and tuning into one voice, and that's the voice of my father. And I do what he tells me to do. I say what he tells me to say. And the reason why Jesus influenced the way he did and left a legacy the way he did is because he was tuned in not to all the voices of people around him, the crowds that wanted him to do things. He said, I'm tuned into the one voice of my father. Some of you are listening to way too many voices. It's pulling, it's pulling you apart. And you're trying to gain approval from 14 different crowds that you feel torn inside. And there's a good reason for that because the more you try to, you, y'all, Jesus proved it. He lived a perfect life and got murdered. Merry Christmas. Welcome. I'm sorry this is so like not Christmassy. 
but it's the truth. Like, if you die for people's, like, if you live for people's approval, you'll die from their, from their rejection. And he said, my, my, the one aim of my life is to please my father. You, there, some of you, you need to tune some voices out. There's a reason your soul feels disjointed. There's a reason you don't feel like there is integrity in, in, in your life. It's because you've got so many voices that you're trying to please. Live for the voice of one. Okay, lastly, Jarvis, you go ahead and come on up. we got an end service. Y'all ready for this? It's 10-11. All right, lastly, to leave a legacy, and this is just going to kind of just like echo what we've said. You know, Jesus lived in light of his last day. You know, it's crazy when you look back on Jesus' life. Jesus would tell his disciples things, right? He would say to them, hey, guys, I'm going to do this. You don't understand it right now, but you will later. Like, can you imagine Jesus, this rabbi, right? Like, he's, you know, you're following him. He's healing people. And he says, uh, hey, team huddle. Come on, 12. Hey, guys, I'm going to die. But then I'm going to rise again in three days. Cool? Right. You know, it's like, you know, and, and, and uh, it's like, but, but this is what he he did why because he he wasn't living for the moment he was living for legacy one guy said this is that so many people are more concerned about having a good time than leaving a great legacy and i just say as christians jesus followers this should not be because even jesus himself lived in light of his last day jesus made decisions during his during his life that we're going to outlast him. When he was in the garden praying and he said, God, Father, if there's any way you can take this from me. And he was talking about the path towards like days before his death and he was gonna go through the horrendous crucifixion and the, the beatings. And he was like, God, there's any way take this from me. But then he says, not my will, but your will. And then he set his face like flint and said, I'm going to go through this now because I know what's on the other side. When I die, when I rise, when I go to heaven, behind me is going to be a legacy of blessing. Jesus made decisions in the present that would outlast him. And that's what I want to challenge you. Is like, are you making decisions right now that are just about you? Or are you making decisions that will outlast you? Are you living for something that is temporary or somebody that is eternal? And that is, is where I, I just believe we're struggling as, as the church is this, that we have people that are so caught on right here and right now that they're not living in light of their last day in order they, so they can, why? Leave behind them a legacy of blessing. To close out today, I just, could you just close your eyes really, 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 really quick and just as much as you possibly can, just don't look at your cell, cell phones. Just try to take the next like 30, 30 seconds, minute, and, and just give as much focus as you can towards, towards, towards this. Just like, you know, I did this, this, this exercise a couple weeks back, and it just like really wrecked me, right? So here, here's what it, I want you to think about your last day. So I want you to think about your, like, your funeral. I've said I don't, I, I want a party, not a funeral. When I go, I want to party. Mourn, I get that. 
do, do that, but I'll, I want it to be a celebration because I'm going to be good. I'm going to be with Jesus. Like, we're going to be straight. But I want you to go to your last day, and I just want you to think about, like, envision it. Who's going to be there? Like, who, who do you want there? Do you, do you want your family there? Like do, you, like, do you want your coworkers there? Like, do you want, like, who do you want there? But not just who do you want there, like, what kind of memories do you want them to share? When they get the microphone and they're going to be sharing about your life and there's going to be time for, for people to come and share memories, like, what, what are they going to share? What will they say? Like, well, what, what do you want them to, how did, do you want them to define you and, and present you? And what I would say is what, what, as Jesus followers at that last day, I know about me, I wanted to be said, this dude loved Jesus and loved people. And he used whatever he had, whatever strength, energy, dollars, resources, time, talent, treasure, to move the kingdom of God forward. Be why? Because when I stand before Jesus, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You can open eyes now. But honestly, what do you want said about you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? And when we look at Jesus' life, we see somebody where it didn't make sense, where he came from didn't determine where he was going. He lived in light of his last day. He determined whose voice he was going to live for. He submitted to a process. And I believe we can see from his life, if we commit to doing these things, of seeing Jesus as the example, you might not have billions of followers, you might not have, but were you faithful to his plan for you? Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.